0: Health and Fitness with David Hollywood. Hello and welcome to this week's Health and Fitness. As ever, I'm your host, David Hollywood. Let's have a look at what's coming up on the show. Creating opportunity and creating choice are the chosen themes of the upcoming Active Disability Annual Seminar, which is taking place in the Midlands next week. You'll hear from a man who, since experiencing a life-changing accident, has made self-determination, a central pillar of his life. And we have Leisha's disability officer joining our conversation to talk about the resources out there and what we can all learn to develop a more equal world. The 2023 edition of the Healthy Ireland Survey is out. As ever, there's good news, bad news and some pretty interesting stats to come from it. Dr. Deirdre Ford from Caleb Medical in Athlone looks at the changing face of our relationship with our doctor. And we have a national champion on health and fitness this week. Cormac Dalton of the Mullingar Harriers joins to talk about his success and to look forward to the European Cross Country Championships in December. Now I have a question for you here on health and fitness this evening. How important is being active? I think we all accept that being active is a really important part of our development, a part of our lives. Let's have a look at some interesting numbers. They've been released by Active Disability Ireland and their Youth Survey. Uh, They say that Only 27.4% of young people with a disability find it easy to take part in physical activity. Uh, However, 70% nearly enjoy taking part in sport and physical activity. That gap is obviously deeply concerning if indeed the welfare of children and future generations is something that uh, we might be concerned with. Uh, I'm very glad to say on the programme this evening we'll be looking forward to the Active Disability uh, Ireland seminar. It's taking place in Leash next week on the 29th of November in the Midlands uh, Park Hotel. Uh, I understand it's going to be extremely well attended. Tickets have just about all gone uh, but we're going to cover some of the important issues uh, that are at play when we talk about disabilities in Ireland and in the Midlands. Uh, At this point, I'll introduce our two guests for this particular segment. A sport inclusion and disability officer uh, with Leash Sports Partnership, Katrina Slattery is on the programme. Katrina, thanks very much for joining us.
1: Hi, how are you? Nice to be here.
0: And a keynote speaker at this uh, upcoming seminar is uh, Fergus Farrell uh, from Athenry. Fergal, thank you very much for joining us as well.
2: You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. It's um, great to... uh, to um, have a have a opportunity to talk
0: No, not at all uh, Fergus, talk to me from a personal perspective the conversation or the, the point I made about children with disabilities taking part in sport and physical activity you know, almost 70% of them said that they do want to, less than a third find it easy to do so and uh, just, over, uh, just under a third feel confident during PE, during physical education in class like none of us want our children to be going through those feelings and those experiences, do we?
2: No, you're right. And um I, I I I actually obviously from my own uh background, you know, I actually do feel um you know that those those um results um and um people want to be involved, you know? Yeah, yeah. But you have to be comfortable to get involved. And that's the big um The big issue really is, you know, people are, they feel that if they're asking um, for whatever it may be, that it's actually a hindrance. So they don't actually want to ask in the first place, whereby as a society, we should really be making as much, um, we we should be making it as easy for people to get involved, no matter what the ability is or inability is, you know, and... um, it really is an it is an issue, unfortunately. But through the likes of Active Disability ease and all, you know they're tackling it and they're trying to make it easier for everybody to get involved. And I can see in the not so distant future, you know those numbers of people who want to get involved and actually who get involved will will start improving massively. You know.
0: Um, Katrina, at this point, I want to bring yourself in to speak to what Fergus has just spoken about there, which is the gap that exists between the understanding of uh, somebody's disability and what they can and can't do and what they might want to do uh, versus uh, what we end up doing for that person or indeed what we end up not doing for that person. and, and, And a large part of it and a large part of how your work uh, as a disability officer with Leash Sports Partnership Works is, is closing that gap. You might talk to us about uh, the kinds of approaches that are taken uh, to help people, be it in clubs or sporting institutions uh, or indeed educational facilities, get their head around how uh, inclusion is, is, is a huge priority and how to go about it. Yes, so
1: the vision statement really for Leash Sports Partnership is everybody active in County Leash And how we do that, our aims is to work and develop clubs, coaches and volunteers and support partnerships between the local sports clubs, community-based organisations and sector agencies and give them opportunities for access to training and education in relation to sports and physical activity. Then try and find targeted programmes for those groups and provide information about sport and physical activity to create awareness and access. At this stage, I suppose, we, this is where we would link in with Active Disability Ireland hmm. to provide training. So Active Disability Ireland have training like disability awareness courses, disability inclusion training, autism and sport. So what we would do is we would offer those courses to clubs and leash that are don't know how to deal or welcome somebody into their club who just don't know how to deal with it. So um, what we do is we try and get people to sign up to a disability charter. At the moment, we have 37 clubs in leash signed up to the disability charter. And by signing up to the charter, the groups to get resources to support them in their journey in addressing, I suppose, the five uh, specific key areas, which would be openness, people, activities, facilities, promotion. How do, how do they deal with all of that?
0: OK, so it's it's a wide-ranging remit that you've got and, and uh, some uh, really important objectives... Getting those objectives, reaching them uh, involves bringing people together and, and getting uh, larger groups of people to interact with each other. And that's exactly what the Active Disability Ireland seminar in the Midlands Park in Port Leash will be all about. I'm going to ask Fergus in a moment to talk us through uh, how he's going to be contributing uh, to it. Uh, but uh, from your uh, perspective, uh, Katrina, you might talk us through how important you think uh, these seminars are.
1: I, we just find these seminars are fantastic. It's great to hear from people like Fergus talking about his story and how he got involved in sport and physical activities. But also, I suppose as us as sports inclusion disability officers, we get to link in with all everybody from around the whole uh, country. Yeah. So we can we can swap stories and you know what's working for you, what we do, and everybody tries to. We're all providing each other with information, which is really, really fantastic.
0: Fergus, you're a keynote speaker at the seminar next week. Uh, how are you when it comes to the public speaking, first and foremost?
2: Um, I, I'm comfortable enough, you know, because I'm just telling my own story. Yeah. And, um, you know, and what I do with my talks is um, I just tell it as it is. Um, I I tell my story. Whatever people can take from my story is great. But I don't try and force anything down anybody's, um, you know, I'm not trying to force anything on anybody. I said, but the most important thing for me is that because of my very background, as in, okay, I, I have a disability now uh, that was brought on to me from an accident five, six years ago. So, But I also was massive into my sports prior to that. Uh, so I know how people were, um, as a sports person, how to train, how to get involved. Uh, but then also I know that from my accent and being in a wheelchair for a period of time and realising when I came out of the National Rehabilitation Hospital uh, that the world really isn't designed uh, for people with disabilities, mm. you know? Uh, and that hit me hard.
0: It's interesting, isn't it, how until you are in someone else's situation or in their shoes you can't access their perspective and naturally no one wants to go through anything in life whereby you get to finally understand in the fundamental way the perspective of uh, somebody with a disability because you've had uh, something happen in your life but by the same token it can be a gift in terms of the knowledge that you gain and develop and you're using that now to help other people Uh, can you Fergus tell us uh, what did happen to you and um, the perspective that you've taken afterwards, you've explained very well there. But you might describe to us exactly what happened.
2: Um, so I uh, it was a very so I was a self-employed man, very, very busy. And uh, just one day I was lifted in a metal my yard and I ruptured my thoracic T9, 10 and 11, And one of went through my spinal cord, and I was paralyzed instantly from my belly button down. Now, the outlook afterwards wasn't great, um, but thankfully I don't know what I I, I I tapped into, but I tapped into pez, positive mental attitude. I tapped into visualization and I tried absolutely everything because you know what? It was my life. And, um, that's the big thing I've taken from this is, you know what I mean? It was my life and I was going to fight and fight and fight for every last bit I could get out of it. And that's the, one of the big things I want to also show people is that, you know, it is your life. And, um, it's up to you to, to make the most of it. So even though there's a lot of things out there, like a lot of clubs and um, organizations that are doing amazing things for people with disabilities, it's still up to that person to really want to do it, You know, to get in that door first and foremost. Now clubs and societies need to make it easier for them, and they are doing that. But at the same time, they can't be going to their door all the time saying, come on, we have this here for you. As people, we have to take um, our own um, initiative. We have to take responsibility and get up and and, and um, take part. So that's the big thing for me. Is from my accident, being in a wheelchair for a, a good period of time. Now I was very lucky. I got back on my feet. I've and after getting back on my feet, what I've tried to do is take on these events to show people that you know. Every day is a day to improve. Every day is a day to make your life better, whether that's mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever way you look at it, there's yeah. a day to, to improve. And I've done that through taking on extreme challenges, like trying to. I walked across the country a year after my accident. After that, then I took on a massive project with a very good friend of mine, David Brown, called Project Power, trying to row across the North Atlantic from New York to Galway. Unfortunately, that wasn't a success for me. I had to be um, rescued off the boat Mm -hmm. after 14 days. Uh, But I didn't let that deter me. It made me stronger. And now the last one was to do five marathons in four days. And I will continue to do those to show that, you know, this is what I do to make my life better.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about those events and uh, we might also touch on people who are just like Fergus and carrying the flag for inclusion, equality uh, for people with disabilities and we will be talking again about the Active Disability Ireland seminar straight after the break. Health and fitness with David Hollywoods. Welcome back to the programme and at the moment on Health and Fitness we are talking about Active Disability Ireland's National Seminar. It is taking place in Port Leash at the Midlands Park Hotel on Wednesday. That is the 29th of November. It's a full day of programming 9am up until 4 in the afternoon. The theme is Creating Opportunity and Creating Choice. Fergus Farrell uh, will be speaking at it and uh, Katrina Slattery will be attending it uh, in her capacity as a Sports and Disability Officer uh, for Leash Sports Partnership. Fergus Uh, just before the break we were talking about the events you had taken on uh, to show people how you can take command of your life after uh, something like you went through in terms of your disability and the challenges that you mentioned the most recent uh, of which is the toughest trek challenge this is five marathons across uh, four days and uh, having taken on a marathon just once I know the absolute physical trauma the body can go through uh, for this. Uh, talk us through the details of this one. It sounds just absolutely massive.
2: Yeah, it was, and um, I have to say, after about day and a half, one and a half days, I was going. I was telling myself, "What am I after getting myself in for you know? But that's where the you know the mental strength takes over, and that's the part that um, helps you. How to say? I won't say enjoy it, but you, you you learn so much about yourself about being able to stay going. Um, to, because again, I took the challenge on to to challenge myself, but also um, raise money for the national rehabilitation hospital, but also to wear awareness. Like you know that it's up to yourself. I decided to do this. Nobody else decided to do this. I decided to do it. And um, uh, and when you decide to do something, you take all of it, you take ownership of it. The only thing that's going to stop you is, you know, maybe an injury, you know, or something like that. But when you take ownership of something in your life, uh, I believe um, it helps you out massively because it now you you have something to aim for, something to keep striving for, something to make you improve. And that, that that's why I take those on, you know. But the big thing is also to do them and show them that, you know, I may have a small disability, but that doesn't stop me from doing it. And whether that is something else for somebody else, you know, whatever it may be, I believe I was even high and, and, and going first, it. And uh, that will help you out massively in your life, you know, mentally and physically. Katrina,
0: it strikes me that uh, listening to Fergus there, that attitude must be something that you recognise in your work. I, I imagine in your work, you've met plenty of people who've decided to take that perspective on their lives. Yes,
1: we've won a lot of future sports in Leash. Um, we have Wheelchair rugby, we have Wheelchair Basketball, we have Wheelchair Hurling. So yes, I meet people like this all of the time. And we're very lucky through funding through Sport Ireland, through Dormant Accounts and different other streams, that we can actually recognise that there is a need for more activity and possibly things that people need. So this year we actually opened up a gym in the Irish Wheelchair Association in Leash through funding from Dormant Accounts. It was a need that we've that we seen, it was needed from, and we worked with Sylvia in the IWA in Port Leash, and we now have a sports and physical activity hub for all service users and people with disabilities in Leash, and it's supported by the IWA. And just even listening to what Fergus is saying there, I suppose what none of us realise is that the impact this has on the physical and mental, um, a rehab for anybody that's taken part it's just fantastic the impacts and benefits it lasts a, a long time I would even see that even at the wheelchair rugby, um that takes part in Vickers Sound every week mm. um, they went off and they took part in a competition in Germany just earlier this year and it just was probably something that that group would never have got um, the chance to do um, we do a lot of other sports as well just not with people with physical disabilities. This year, um, leash has now become one of the largest visually impaired and blind hubs for many sports like athletics, soccer, golf, tandem cycling, and swimming in Ireland. And it was such a huge success that we're actually opening that up in 2024 as a para training group. And we're going to link in with the IWA Sport as well. Through Dormant accounts funding as well, we were able to purchase disability bikes. So we have bikes that are stored in Vicarstown, and we have a lovely new Blueway there now as well. So people can take out the bikes and children and families and adults can all go cycling. We have a battery-assisted bike that a wheelchair user can sit on the front mm. with tandem bikes that if somebody isn't able to cycle for whatever reason, that they're able to take them out. And we have just found them really popular. And people are getting to get out with a family. They're not. They have something to bring their child or the person in the family with a disability to which we find is fantastic.
0: There's so much you guys are doing, but by the same token, would it be fair to say that that's only scratching the surface of the potential of the progress that we can make in the area of inclusion and equality when it comes to disabilities?
1: Yes, and I, I suppose it's going back to the disability charters again, and getting the clubs to sign up to it. Um, you won't, You try to hit as many people as you can, but I would definitely recommend for people to link in with the sports inclusion disability officers in their club or in their county, because we we are available all over Ireland. Um, there's such a wide, um, it, it, disability is so broad as well, that like we deal with um, mental health groups as well. Um, we, every summer, we have inclusive camps. So like GA, soccer, basketball, visually impaired. Hmm. We've brought visually impaired groups out onto the water. They've done um, kayaking, canoeing, everything. So I suppose the thing about it is, unless we provide opportunities for people, we don't know what they can do. So we have to, as sports inclusion disability officers, we need to provide these opportunities and help people that want to get out and be active.
0: Yeah, and hopefully... That good work can continue to be done and very well supported as it sounds like it is being. Fergus um, we're going to wrap up our chat soon I I just want to go back to a point that you made uh, that uh, Katrina was talking about there in terms of like we heard of all the great programs that are going on and I've talked to people who are involved in like wheelchair basketball and wheelchair hurling and the joy it gives them to compete and be part of a team and that inclusion piece. You got that perspective when you were in a wheelchair and you saw how the world is not set up for people in that situation, even though there's so much knowledge out there. Like, I mean, this this the awareness piece can't be insurmountable, uh, but we do still have uh, work to do. And you'd like to see maybe people in their everyday lives uh, being as cognizant as possible uh, in, in this regard, but like structurally as well, uh, this country needs to uh, probably undergo a change as well.
2: Yes, and and, and I don't, don't get me wrong; it, it's all it is all we're all going in the right direction, you know. Um, and so it's not a criticism; it's just a, a, a an all it's just something I see on a daily, daily basis. Yeah. And I'm going to give you one example. There's a building in uh, in my town. And they're after putting in uh, these disabled doors, you know, you press the button to get in. So, but they've actually put in a ramp. And it's so steep, the ramp, you'd have to take about a 10-meter run at it in the wheelchair to be able to get up it. Uh, yes, they've ticked the boxes to put it in a disability door. But it's only you can only get into it if you're being pushed. Or if you come out, you're going to go... Um, excuse the expression, you're gonna go out face flat in your face, you're gonna fall flat in your face. And it's those little things that would be you so good if people could understand, you know. And that's a that's a business. Because it's right. a and massive thing the right. for the
0: person who is on the other end of that experience to not be able exactly. to get into a shop just like everyone else.
2: Exactly. And they're going, What's the idea of putting this in here? Well, it's actually it's it's nearly demoralizing. Than anything else because, because it clearly says they've ticked the box, they put in the disability door, but they actually haven't actually thought it out and said, okay, can actually actual disability, the person with a disability wheelchair get in? And it's those things that, when I see them, they really upset me because obviously I was in that position. I'm not in that position now.
0: For more information, or if you're looking to get in contact with the county's disability officer, it's leash Same goes for Offaly and Westmeads. They're at Westmeadsports.ie and Offalysports.ie. Have you noticed changes with the relationship you have with your doctor? We'll explore that issue and more from the Healthy Ireland Survey next. Health and Fitness with David Hollywood. Now the Healthy Ireland survey is a survey that's uh, conducted annually in this country with a representative sample of the population aged 15 or older living in Ireland. The sample size is typically in the region of around 7,500 people so it's comprehensive in terms of the numbers. Uh, it gives an up-to-date picture of the health of the nation or certainly that's its intention and it reports on many of the health-related lifestyle behaviours. Uh, this year's findings are the eighth set And to look at some of the details contained within on health and fitness this evening, Uh, I am very glad to say that Deirdre Ford from Kayla Medical in Athlone joins us. Dr. Deirdre Ford, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on health and fitness. Um, Hello, David. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, Let's talk firstly about the general finding, the headline data which they will always lead with on the Healthy Ireland survey is that in 2023, 80% of people report being in good or very good health. Uh, That is uh, down slightly uh, between 2015 and 2019. It was around 85%. these general uh, statistics, first and foremost, would they tally with what you see as a general practitioner uh, and they, do you, do they give you cause for concern?
3: Um, they certainly tally with, you know, they would tally with what we would normally see. doesn't really give me a huge amount of uh, cause for concern because the most common conditions are always going to be there anyway. The high blood pressure, um, arthritis, high cholesterol, asthma and diabetes so they're all things that we just need to work on I suppose and make people more aware of them. Um, But overall I think you know people are taking, I think they're actually taking more responsibility for their health now. I certainly see it anyway. Um, women are certainly better at doing that compared with men. So we just really need to try and push more towards men looking after their health because they would certainly fall into that category of high blood pressure and high cholesterol um, based on possibly, you know, their their working life and, and all of that. So we're still in that zone,
0: that situation where men look to and actively seek to avoid conversations about their health and investigating into their own health and certainly taking preventative measures.
3: That's certainly still there. Um, Women are really good at looking after themselves um, and a lot of consultations that we see um when women come in even with their children they'll say can I talk to you about my partner about my husband and what do you think you know so it's really always trying to get the man to come in so that we can actually encourage them to actively look after their health
0: that must be slightly maddening from your perspective but um it is yeah I can appreciate it's common speaking uh, I won't bring hypocrisy into this I'm as bad as the mm-hmm. rest of them um They have a section here on GP utilisation. So, as a general practitioner, Deirdre, uh, what interested you in terms of the findings here and uh, how has operating a general practice uh, been over the last, say, 12 months?
3: So... COVID, as you know, David, has changed everything. So we have gone from COVID hit in 2020, we went a lot of remote consultations, phone calls, um, all of that. So what has happened since then is that telemedicine now or telehealth is really, really big in this country now, and even the Irish um, Medical Council has actually issued guidelines to GPs in relation to how to do it properly. So, And and it's totally fine. It's it's great. But a lot of this then is that people are seeking to maybe just talk to the GP over the phone rather than going into them. And there's a lot of even going to the out-of-hours doctor because a lot of people can't actually get to uh, register with the GP. So a lot of the out of hours um, doctors are being used as the uh, basically the the primary carer uh, for a family. Um, I've also noticed an increase in say um, health insurance companies um, actually having doctors now who can do telemedicine uh, with these with people now. So definitely COVID has changed an awful lot and an awful lot of of people are actually reverting to kind of remote consultations.
0: Okay, and you've spoken to us on Midlands 103 before about the remote consultations, that they do absolutely have their place in medicine and in in, in treating patients, uh, but there are certain limitations to them. Um, Absolutely, yes, uh, there are certain limitations. Talk to us about some of the unintended consequences, or some of the effects that you've seen from that, I know. For instance, uh, the usage of antibiotics uh, has uh, it has been covered in this Healthy Ireland survey as well. Is there is there is that in relation? Does that relate at all to the dynamic of the likes of telemedicine as well?
3: Possibly, also, um, because if you look at antibiotic use um, in this particular um, survey, they have noticed that there has been a consistent gender gap really with antibiotic use, again, with with men not actually seeking um, out GPs anyway, but women in all age groups up to the age of 75 are more likely than men to take an antibiotic. But one thing I think that jumped out at me there is that a lot of um, people say over the age of 55. Um, Women especially may be more prone to developing say urinary infections Um, and this is me with my menopause hat on me Mm. um, right through to women in their their 70s and 80s and a lot of them are just automatically prescribed an antibiotic for a UTI when in fact some of the Times it mightn't actually be a urinary infection, but just a lack of estrogen. So there's just an automatic, you know, I've got these symptoms of a urinary tract infection. There's no uh, dipping off the urine. It's all done over the phone. No problem. We send you um, a script for an antibiotic. So there's definitely an increase in that.
0: So convenience can undermine practice sometimes. Yes, and, yes absolutely. And we're moving into a zone. Uh, Potentially, where antibiotics are being treated almost like paracetamols rather than what they are,
3: that's absolutely true. And then, as a result, we're seeing an awful lot of antibiotic resistance, and Mm. especially with the penicillin, and that that's actually very worrying. The government's plan
0: is in action at the moment to open up access through the medical card to uh, doctor appointments in a far more widespread way. How's that changing the day-to-day experience?
3: Well, you know, it's uh, it's actually going to make uh, waiting times longer to see a doctor now and saying that every general practice also always has emergency slots every morning to deal with issues that need to be dealt with on the day. But if there is a case where um, somebody doesn't, you know, it doesn't appear that urgent, although it may be that urgent to the patient, they could be waiting three weeks for an appointment. And that's what's happening, you see, when the more, um, I suppose, free GP access that you have, the more you're going to push push down the line, the people that really, really need to need to be seen. So that's a worrying trend too. We need more doctors.
0: Yeah, it's um it's something that we're seeing reported across multiple sectors as well, is that uh, people in those leading positions within the sector, there's just less and less of them that can be fallen back on to, to, to help shoulder that load. I want to move us on to maybe some of the more positive findings in the report. One in particular is that uh, 70% of individuals 15 or older uh, reported consuming alcohol in the last year. Uh, that's lower than 75% uh, reported in 2018 before the pandemic. So, like 5% is substantial I would argue um, that's a positive from a doctor's perspective Shirley.
3: That is that is very positive because obviously you know uh, we all know you know alcohol and moderation is actually fine moderation because there are you know we always say alcohol and moderation can actually benefit you in terms of um, heart disease believe it or not you know and yeah. um, uh, moderation, but the, I see the, the binge drinking too, at least that is, you know, is that going up, going down? With COVID again, like with the with the pubs closed, I think a lot of people started to drink at home. So you're not getting as many, I see, think anyway, you're not getting as many who used to go to the pub before COVID, maybe, maybe they gave up alcohol. And that's possible. That's possibly a thing too, or because they weren't sort of a person who would actually drink at home. They always went to the pub, and because you couldn't go to the pub during COVID, maybe a lot of them have just stopped. You know, that's a positive as well. Yeah, it is.
0: It's it's a tricky one because of the culture in this country. Uh, yeah, messaging around it can sometimes I think be ineffective, but it's uh, certainly if if we can. Go from being binge drinkers, which so many of us are and so many of us maybe misunderstand what that means in terms of the, the units and that. If we can go from that uh, to drinking in actual moderation, uh, then the difference is night and day. And like you said, um, a, a moderate amount of alcohol can actually be good for the heart, but binge drinking is one of the leading causes of cardiovascular disease. It,
3: exactly. And binge drinking actually is classified as uh, uh, six drinks at anyone's um, set. As anyone fitting, that's what binge drinking yes. is. And that's six glasses of beer, not pints. Yeah, six. Yeah,
0: yeah six. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For this week's discussion on the survey, Dr. Deirdre Ford from Kelly Medical in Athlone, you've been great with your time and it's been really engaging and interesting getting your thoughts on this. Much appreciate you talking to us. My pleasure, David. The Mullingar Harriers and the Midlands has a new national cross country champion. He'll be joining you and me on Health and Fitness Next.
1: Health and Fitness with David Hollywoods.
0: Now, four Midlands athletes will be pulling on the green singlets for the European Cross Country Championships in just over a fortnight's time. Uh, one of whom is the Mullingar Harriers' very own Cormac Dalton, who is our newly crowned National Cross Country Senior Men's Champion. Cormac joins us on Health and Fitness this evening. Uh, Cormac, the national championship, uh, going to the European Cross Countries, representing Ireland as the national champion. How does all that sound?
4: Hi, David. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, no, it sounds like stuff of dreams. I could have only hoped for this uh, about five years ago. I wouldn't have dreamt of it. Now it's, Yeah, no, uh, it feels really good.
0: I'm looking at a picture right now of you crossing the finish line at the National Cross-Country Championships in Goran and Kilkenny. And there's two things that strike me. The first is the intensity of the joy you're feeling in that moment. It's a great shot. And the other is... Uh, you're absolutely bathed in mud. So, uh, <laughs> how did it feel to win uh, the senior cross-country? And secondly, you might talk us through just how tough conditions were in Kilkenny last weekend.
4: Yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of in the moment, that's just a moment I've probably played over my head about a million times while running out, I, I just on easy runs during sessions, everything just seen you know, other people do it and i always thought i'll make the most of that moment if i ever get there and yeah I, I wasn't gonna let it pass so yeah it was a it was a great moment um and uh yeah the the it's funny the muck all over me coming over the finish line it was it was grueling out there we we couldn't the, the course was quite bad so we couldn't actually warm up on it so it was mm-hmm. a bit of a, a You almost were shocked uh, mid-race which was a a cool but scary feeling and we all were in the first field which which was quite okay ground and then we went out to the backfield and a few guys were trying to make some moves you know early moves early in the race and we just hit this I can't describe other than I don't know a Mario Kart slippy section like we just (laughs) everybody everybody just started sliding and falling around the place and that's that kind of then dictated how the race went everybody kind of took it took it off the gas for uh, for a few minutes and uh we all just uh, (laughs) um tried, tried our best to get through the muck really that was that was how bad it was at times it was ankle deep and very I can't like porridge consistency I've heard somebody describe it as it was just uh you were sucking your foot out of it so yeah it was it was it was tough the time was i think four minutes slower than i ran already this season hmm. which shows shows how how slow going it was but it wasn't really a, a race about time or speed it was just about kind of who could stick it out longest i think
0: so what would your tactic be in the race obviously you probably are making your mind up as the race is developing because as you explained there you didn't really know what you're dealing with until you come across that particularly bad section. Uh, when you did have your head around what kind of race this would be, are you deciding to sit with a certain group? Are you saying to yourself, uh, "I need to apply pressure here"? How did you approach the the kind of the last three fifths of the race?
4: Yeah, so I guess I knew the mock would make it like really tough, and there was one or two guys like the uh, Kevin. Uh, Kevin who came second and Hugh who came third they actually kind of took that onus on themselves to push it through the muck and I knew I could hang in there but uh, I just wanted to hang on to them and I kind of backed myself on the last um, the last bit of the race to, to, when we got to the good ground say for the finish line, I knew I could put in a good sprint and I kind of backed myself to win that um, so that's exactly what I'd done, I just, just hung in there but it, it did change things around. I mean, some of the guys maybe you're expecting to be there then weren't there all of a sudden just because of how, how, how tough going the muck was. And then I think the guys at the front, we uh, we we were a bit better through the muck. And um, it yeah, worked out in our favor. But it is the sort of thing where you can't let the front group go in in a in such a muddy situation because if you're 20 meters behind in muck, it's the equivalent of 50 meters. Okay. You know what I mean? It takes so it's so hard to get through and get back up with people so in my head was just just stay on them don't let them go anywhere and that's that's kind of what I've done Yeah, Kevin uh, Mulcair from Ennis and uh,
0: Balanaz Hugh Armstrong completed the podium yep. there um, so you were able to keep them in sight and ultimately you had the legs at the end uh, to win the national championship Having spoken to the PRO at your club, he was saying that this was due. Like you, 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 you've been competing at this level and knocking on the door for long enough. Um, he felt it, you're very much deserving of it. How do you feel having uh, won it on this occasion? I, is it something that you've had expect expectation to win? Is it something that you worried you might never win?
4: Yeah, it is that kinda of, I've been asked that this week as well and I've kinda of, it's almost a feeling of relief now. I think I feel like I ticked it off and I've done this. That's something I've always wanted to do and now I, I'm looking forward to doing it every year from now on and, and hopefully giving it more goals. But it also feels nice just saying I have that done, I can just enjoy it from now on and uh yeah, it's definitely been I mean, I've been in America the last two years, so I didn't actually get to do the actual championships. Mm. That kind of, I knew that I was there and thereabouts with my performances in America, but um, yeah, so I guess this was a nice uh, homecoming as well, but it's definitely been something I've been dreaming of for a while, and as, as I said, I've been on the senior team the last three years, so um, it's nice to kind of be at the front of that now and hopefully leading the lads to a good performance. Yeah, we'll look
0: forward to Belgium very shortly. Uh, I just wanted to touch on a couple of other things. Um, You mentioned that you've been based in the States and also uh, you've not just raced in Ireland or the States. Um, World Athletics run a programme that uh, can help cross-country athletes build up championship points for selection. Uh, You were racing in Spain as well uh, over the course of this season.
4: Yeah, I was. Yeah, I got kind of lucky enough to... That was my first kind of experience of being invited over to a race and and being put up in a hotel and stuff for the weekend and that was really cool. Um, I couldn't really turn it down when I knew the competition would be really good. Um, it's in it was in Burgos in Spain. Um, yeah, it was it was it was actually a very Irish day, windy, rainy. Um, uh, there was winds of forty kilometers an hour, I think. So it was it was an interesting spectacle. And they put you know in Spain they have those man-made hills. the few logs out on the course so it ended up being quite a tough tough race but I kind of stuck in with the second group there was the front group were mostly Africans and then I was in with the Spanish the leaders of the Spanish um, race because the Spanish kind of integrate that race as their nationals in a way there's a few different races and they all perform and they get and they got selected for Europeans. So I kind of stuck in with the leading Spanish guy, and, and I just about lost to him in, in, in the end. But uh, it, was a great, it was a great experience, and I think it was one that I wanted to do to prepare me for Europeans because now I feel like I can go to Europeans saying, right, I've faced a field a similar, if not better, than this. And it kind of gives me that confidence going into Europeans to go with the lead group and, and to, to stick it in it in.
0: How important is it then heading into Belgium when you're doing cross-country races at championship level, now continental championship level, to actually have knowledge of who you're running against and then to gauge your efforts accordingly? I know it's not an exact science, but it's all useful information when you understand who you're racing against.
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, in the past, I'm just going into these uh, into these championships kind of blindfolded. Like, you know, you start your race, everybody's running as fast as they can at the start as usual and and you're looking around and you don't recognise anyone. Um, I definitely think it'll be good to have guys to kind of target and I know they'll they'll say, All right, I'm gonna put myself in the top ten and, and I'll be able to say the same same kind of thing when I when I see their their singlet, say the Spanish singlet or whatever and, and even more than that, I mean, on the team is the, the Irish national five thousand metre record holder, uh, Brian Fay and I know guys like him that he's not there to mess around either. Uh, and that's on the Irish team. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think we'll we'll have a nice contingency of us going towards the front and, and giving a really good stab. So, yeah, no, it really helps to, like, know the guys you're running around. Because um, otherwise you can get lost in the crowd a bit because it is a bit of a, it's a mad race and the courses are normally quite hard. So, um no, I'm looking forward to this year having a bit more familiar, familiarity with it. The
0: gap between the nationals and the europeans what do you do in terms of training there uh, presumably you're still doing a fair bit of work
4: yeah yeah a bit like some people say you know scott just just relax now between uh all irelands and the europeans but realistically the only thing that gets your body back feeling right is uh getting back to the normal volume training um for at least a nice 10 day block and then ease ease back into it and the race week, yeah, maybe take the foot off the pedal a bit. But no, it's all goal really since I took an easy few few days after the race, you know, just easy running and then now it's all goal for another ten days really. Um back up to full full volume mileage, full training. Um yeah. So it's no all no rest for the record.
0: No, and uh, it's uh, some conditions to be training in, obviously as well. But we're well used to it in in, in that respect. Uh, a final question, then: Do you go into the meeting in Belgium uh, for the European Cross Country Championships with an objective in mind, a finishing position in mind, or is it just to run your own race? What's what's the aim?
4: Yeah, I think I think the Spain race and and how I'm going right now has me has me targeting a top ten. Um, it would mean it would it would. Top ten at European very hard. European cross in particular is, is quite a tough task and I think it would put my name out there even further um, at the minute, which would which would mean a lot for me in terms of just getting getting exposure and uh, things like that. So that's that is the aim and I think it's achievable. Um just it will take you, know, you have to perform your best at these because everybody else is, is trying to do the same. So um it won't be easy, but yeah, that's my
0: aim and really. Getting your name out there and flying the flag for Westmeads, the Midlands and Ireland uh, heading into the European Cross Country Championships. Uh, Cormac Dalton, the very best of luck in that one. Well done in the National Championships and thanks for taking the time to talk to us on health and fitness this evening. I appreciate it David, thank you. That's the show for this week. Joe Cooney brings the best in country music next. Talk to you soon.
1: Health and Fitness with David Hollywood.